And uh, moment by moment, we're kept by his love. Praise the Lord for that song, Karen. Thank you so much. The young people can go to Junior Church. The rest of us will take our Bibles to look at Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1. Let's all stand as we read this one verse. It uh, gives us our context today as Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1. Apostle Paul is speaking. He says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. That idea of called right there, that's kind of our thought today as we're going to be looking at that. Have you answered the call? Have you answered the call? Let's pray. Father, today we thank you for the call. And Lord, I pray that as we think about the call that you've given to us, and Lord, uh, for salvation, and Lord, how you've done it, a wonderful work in our life. Lord, there's more than just being saved. It's just the beginning of the race. And Father, I pray that as we uh, listen to your voice, that we would respond and, Lord, have a yielded heart. Father, may you sanctify us by your power. And Lord, for those that may not know Jesus as their Savior, may they listen to the call today, that still small voice. And Father, may they respond to Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, we praise you, for what you're going to do. I pray for your power this morning. Lord, you're a wonderful God. Jesus Christ is the only Savior, a wonderful Savior. And Lord, we love you today. And we give you all the praise, the honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Dr. Walter Wilson had a burden for the souls of men, women, boys, and girls. He was always looking for an opportunity to speak to folk about their need for a Savior. One day he drove into a gas station, a Sinclair gas station. How many have ever seen one of those gas stations? They're not all, they're not around here, but we have, uh, they, they are around. And uh, he was looking for something to make a connection with this, this person. Back in the day, it was the time, and some of you might remember, when you would go into a gas station, you'd have a gas attendant who would come and, and pump your gas and, and wash your windshield and check your oil. Boy, aren't those, weren't those wonderful days. They'd check your air pressure. They'd do all that type of stuff while they were gassing up. Now it's kind of like, if, it is, if you don't do it, it doesn't get done. Amen? But he went into this gas station, and, and uh, there was this gas attendant. And he's looking, uh, Dr. Wilson was looking at that, the lighted sign, and he asked the gas station attendant, he says, how did sin get into Sinclair? And he pointed to the lighted sign that was above the gas, gas pump. And the attendant responded, I do not know, sir, how sin got into Sinclair, but I have wished many times that I knew how to get the sin out of my life. And with that, he, he began to tell him about the gospel of Jesus Christ, how that Jesus died on the cross for his sins, was buried and rose again. Uh, now the Bible says in Matthew 1.21, it says, And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. We can be saved from our sins today. Uh, sins are, talking about sin is something that people don't want to talk about anymore. It, does, people, it doesn't come into people's mind. Uh, things that used to be called sin is no longer sin anymore because it's, it's just become commonplace. Can I tell you something, folks? Uh, we talk about relevancy and the relevancy of the scriptures today. I submit to you that we need to get back to the old truths. 
that are found in the Word of God. And God calls evil sin. God calls drunkenness sin. God calls idolatry sin. He calls adultery sin. He calls shacking up together. He calls it sin. And we've gotten so commonplace and so used to it, it's like, oh, oh that's just, that, that's, well, so what? Can I tell you something? There's a God with whom all of us have to do. And one day we will stand before him. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. May I share with you today that uh, Dr. Getch last week gave an illustration of a shepherd calling his sheep. The sheep heard the shepherd's voice and they responded to the shepherd. Jesus, the good shepherd, calls the world that is lost to a Savior. The Bible says in John 7, verse 37 and 38, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. In Romans chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, it says, For there is no difference between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Revelation 3.20, we find Jesus speaking. And it says, uh, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's standing at the door of your heart right now, and he's knocking. If any man will open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. He's calling. He's asking to come into your heart and into your life. And interesting, as you look at Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, he was calling to Christians. He's on the outside of their life in a, in a sense. They had just gone on and done their own life of the church at Laodicea. They were living. They thought they were rich and had need of nothing. And Jesus said, you don't have an idea that you're, you're blind and miserable and poor and naked and you need me more than ever in your life. Have you answered his call? Are you 100% sure that you're on your way to heaven? When a person receives Jesus as their Savior and responds to the call of God, uh, he has given assurance that he will never be separated from the love of Christ and that he becomes a child of God. God holds them in their hand, and they can never be plucked out of his hand. But may I share with you, there are, seven, or there are several other things that are tied to that call. The call of God for salvation is one thing, but tied with that call are some things we're going to be looking at this week and then next week, uh, this idea, have you answered the call? The first point tonight, today we want to see is this. We are called with a holy calling. You are called with a holy calling. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 8. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 8. Paul said in, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 that we're to walk worthy of the calling wherewith we have been called. But in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 8, we are called with having been called to salvation. He says, I want you to understand there's a call that's tied to it. We have been called with a holy calling. Look at here in 2 Timothy 1, verse number 8. Paul talking to Timothy, he says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the affliction and of the gospel according to the power of God. Notice verse number 9. Who has saved us. Oh, I'm glad I'm saved. How about you? 
Are you glad you're saved this morning? I'm glad I have my sins forgiven. I'm glad I have a, I've been declared righteous by God. I've been adopted into his family. His righteousness has been imputed to my account. And how wonderful it is. I have a, a, a great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, who prays for me. And he prays on my behalf. He's an advocate for me uh, he, because I'm his child. I'm joint heirs with Jesus Christ who has saved us, notice, and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. I want you to notice we are called with a holy calling. The word holy there is the word agathos. And that word agathos is, in a moral sense, is a, it's a sharing of God's purity. Pure, clean. Purity. Purity. You say, well, pastor, what's really pure? What's really pure? It used to be pretty easy to understand what purity was all about. Purity meant things were just uh, clean, they were right, they were, they, they, when you took your clothes and, 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 and you, looked at, the, at, you look, looked at white, white was white. You know, you put bleach in it and it became white. But you know, over time, what has happened is this. White is no longer white. If you don't put that bleach in there to get rid of the, 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 uh, the colors and the junk that's in there, pretty soon what will happen is it will become stained. And it will change its color. You say, well, pastor, you know, white used to be white. You know, uh, there used to be that, the commercials that were on, white is brilliantly white. And then you don't want to have this, this kind of yellowish white. That's, that's not white. You know, we've begun in our society to accept yellow white as being white. Well, that's close enough. That's good enough. I submit to you when you're talking about God, God is pure. He's righteous. He's holy. Agathos carries all of that. He's separate from sin. God cannot sin. God who cannot lie. You know, his character, he can't lie. Boy, today people lie all the time. Why? Because they've accepted lying as being okay. Folks, can I tell you today, lying is not acceptable with God. And you and I, if we are Christians, can I tell you something? When you and I, when we lie, it's not acceptable with God. Well, it's acceptable with the world. It doesn't matter what the world may say is, is right and wrong. This book records for us the truth of what is right and what is wrong. And one day, the world will be judged according to the truth in this book. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. People today say, well, it does. You know, I think there's a lot of ways to get to, to heaven. You know, it's like all roads lead to Rome. It doesn't matter how you, how you get there, just as long as you believe. That is not what the Bible says. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Folks, today, people must be saved. And the only person who can save them is Jesus Christ. You say, well, pastor, that's going to offend some people. Probably. I'm not trying to offend. I'm trying to preach the truth. And for us folks today, the truth shall make you free when you understand what the truth is and you apply the truth to your life. White 
morally right. God is holy. Barnes, in his commentary, said this. He's talking about this word agathos in this verse. He says, it's a calling which is which in its own nature holy and which leads to holiness. Folks, we have been saved by Jesus Christ. But I want you to understand that salvation is tied to a call to holiness. People, what he's saying is this. That life, that new direction in Jesus Christ is tied to righteousness, doing that which is right, which is acceptable with God. Not necessarily what's acceptable to man, because, you know, pastor, we don't want to mention certain things because it's going to offend people. I submit to you that we need to preach the truth. We need to stand upon the truth more now than ever because the lines have been so blurred. And in many churches today, the lines are blurred. You can't tell what the truth is because we don't want to offend anybody. Folks, today we need to hear the truth. Back in 2020, I got some news that I had cancer. I'm telling you right now, I didn't like to hear that news. I didn't like to hear it. In fact, I would avoid going to the doctor. Now, I don't know none of you have this problem. I just don't want to hear it, so I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't want the doctor to tell me something that's going to be bad that I, I'm, not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna enjoy hearing that news because there's, there's stuff that goes along with that. I don't want to hear it, so if I just plug my ears, it doesn't matter and it'll just go on. No, that's kind of not how it works. God brought some circumstances across my path where I had to go and find out. I praise God for that. Because it helped me to get help. And praise God today, they say I'm cancer-free. You know, now tomorrow I might have it. I don't know. But as far as I know right now, I'm cancer-free. Hey, because I had to hear the news that was hard to take. Because I had to do some things. I had to have that removed out of my life. You say, Pastor, you're not whole anymore. Nope, that part's gone. You know, as a Christian, God comes to us and he says, you know what? You're a dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking sinner. Pastor, I'm a pretty good, I'm a pretty good person. Well, as long as you think that, you'll never be saved. Because, see, God gave ten commandments just to point out how much of a dirty, rotten, stinking, filthy sinner we are. How about honor your father and mother? Now, just stop and think about that for a moment. How many of us always obeyed mom and dad? Anybody? Yeah. You know what? Sometimes kids are just interesting. You know, they look to see how far they can push the envelope. When mom and dad are not watching, they'll try something sneaky. Kimberly tried something sneaky. I use her as an illustration. She's looking at me right now that you're dead, Dad. I know, but I've got, I've got the floor. When you were out of school, you, you had to go and get a note. You had to get a note signed by your parents. She thought she could forge my name. I was the principal of the school. The teacher looked at that. Now, Kimberly, let me tell you this. She had, she had practiced copying my name. And so she thought, I can do what dad does. So she wrote, she had, 
signed her, he signed the thing. But the teacher was smarter than that. She says, this doesn't look right. So she brought me the note. I said, she said, did you sign this? I said, no, I didn't sign that. But I will deal with this. And so we had an understanding. The Board of Education applied to the seat of knowledge for some of you. You say, Pastor, that was a long time ago. But the point is, is this. I never thought that my children would always, always do what's right. Always. You said, you expected them to do wrong things? Yeah, one time they, they went out and we had loaned them our new, our, our new car. And they wanted to go over to the, they, wanted, they were teenagers by this time, and they wanted to go and have some fun, and they, were, they wanted to TP a house. Anybody know what we're talking about, TPing houses? And so they took TP, and they were going, but the people whose house that they were going to go TP had heard that they were going to come over and TP their house. And they were ready with them with hoses. And so they started doing the TP, and all of a sudden they let them have it. But one of the guys that was there from that house, he thought it'd be funny. He took our wheels off of our car. Well, when they got back home, can I tell you something? Dad was not too happy about that issue. You know, those lug nuts, you never know whether the people are going to put the lug nuts on right. You know, young people, we don't think about that. Uh, two, out of, two out of five is good. You know, I mean, psh, you know what? Uh, Dad was not happy. It did not make Dad happy. Can I tell you what that was? That was sin. <laughs> say, Pastor, you're kind of narrow-minded. Yep, absolutely. Because I cared about their protection. Cared about them. Folks, may I share with you? Your kids will do whatever kids will do. They're going to they're gonna try all those things. I, I didn't expect my kids to be any different. Because my children are children. I tried doing things. See how far I could get. Say, Pastor, you? Yeah, I did. Because you know what? That's that old sinful nature inside. But I submit to you today that God called us with a holy calling to come away from our foolishness and come and live in righteousness. Folks, there's a lot of people today that are living in foolishness. He says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. It's like it's ready to come out. He says, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. If the chastisement is worse than the joy of being foolish, guess what? We think about it. And for us as Christians, once we become adults, you say, well, what's the principle there? We live foolishly sometimes. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool. Proverbs talks about the fool. The fool is a person who's gone a, a direction that's God's over here, but I'm going to go my direction. You're a foolish person. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You can go your choice, and you can go that way, but folks, may I share with you, it's going to cause you pain and suffering when you die without Jesus Christ. Oh, pastor, I've got it all down. I've got the education and the mental knowledge. Folks, knowledge is not going to get you to heaven unless that knowledge points you to a Savior who died for you and loves you and you receive Him as your Savior. That holy calling is a calling to a holiness. And a lot of people, when they get saved, they just, I, got, I asked Jesus to be my Savior. Now, oh, I did that. Now I'm done. I'm, I, I'm, part of the, I, I'm part of the body of Christ. Now I can live my life the way I want to. No, uh, 
That's part of the calling, is holiness. I'm to walk in righteousness and holiness. How am I supposed to know what righteousness is? The Word of God. Jesus said in John 17, 17, Sanctify, he's praying to the Father, Sanctify, set them apart, Father, through thy word, thy word is truth. The word of God establishes for us the right path, what is holy, and the direction that we're supposed to go. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown said this, that this call here is a call to holiness. The call comes holy from God and claims us holy for God. Folks, see, salvation is not just Salvation is not just saying a few words and that's the end of it. No, that's just the beginning of it. God's called us to walk in a holy manner, a holy way of life. I'm to walk without sin. You say, well, I, I can't do that, Pastor. No, you can't, but it's God who works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God, as we yield to him and turn from our sin and say, God, you know what? Well, I know what I want to do. I know how I like to do. But God, you can help me to walk in a way that's pleasing to you according to your word and contrary to the way of the world. You know, it's interesting. When you stop and think about it, the world says it's okay to do whatever you want to do. Follow your heart. People listen to that all the time. You hear it promoted all over the place. The Bible says he that follows his heart is a fool. And we see a lot of foolishness going on right now, don't we? The term saint. How many of you have ever heard the word saint? You say, Pastor, how does a person become a saint? Well, you know, Pastor, this is how a person becomes a saint. You know, uh, you do a lot of good works or things in life, and then you die. And some people come, and they decide whether you've done enough good works, and then they, they declare, uh, they, they, they make a proclamation that you are a saint. Can I tell you something? That's not what the Bible says. You want to hear what the Bible says? Let's look at what the Bible says. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 1 and verse 7. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 7. This is going to surprise some of you. Romans chapter 1, verse 7, as the Apostle Paul is speaking, I'm going to start with verse 1. It says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he hath a promise before, uh, afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus, uh, his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness, here's that word holy again, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith through all... Uh, faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. We are the called of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has called us. No man comes to the Father except the Father draw him. Jesus, we belong to Jesus. Today, if you're saved, you belong to Jesus. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. You're to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the called of Jesus. Notice verse 7. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be what? Called to be saints. 
called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking here of believers. That word saints is the Greek word agathos. It's exactly the same word, holy, that you, that you read earlier. We are called with a holy calling, agathos. You are called to be saints. If you are a believer here today, you are a saint right now as far as God is concerned. Believers are called saints. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 27. Romans 8, verse 27. He's talking about the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Verse 26, he says, Likewise the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Have you ever come to that place where you don't know what to pray for? You got a situation, you don't know whether, how to pray. You know, it, it's a difficult situation. You don't know what, what to pray, how to be able to help. Sometimes when I'm dealing with people that are, in a, that, that are having physical problems and people say, well, you know what, this person, well, let's pray that they be raised. But you know what, it'd be better for them if they went to be with the Lord. And, and so you're praying, and, 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 Lord, whatever your will is, we pray that you would do a miracle, do something. You could raise them back to life. That's like Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, you know, I know what your will is, but let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And he finally comes to the resolve there. Lord, you know what? The cup's not going to be taken. Your will. I'm going to do your will. And so in this portion here, the Holy Spirit, he prays for the saints. If we don't know how to pray, he prays for us. I get a kick out of that verse, though. People say, well, I'm not going to pray for patience, Pastor, because if you pray for patience, you know what you get according to James. Trials. That's what James says in James chapter 1. If you're, you know, but let uh, patience have their perfect work. They be, may be perfect and tired, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let them ask of God in faith. You know, uh, I'm praying for patience, and God says, well, okay, the way that you get patience is trials. So I'm not going to pray for patience, although I need patience, God, I'm not going to pray for that. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit prays for patience for you. He just does because he knows you need those. So just trying to avoid it is not going to help you with it. You need to pray for grace and you pray for mercy. God, please give me your, your strength. Give me your grace, your loving kindness in this time. I need your mercy. Don't, don't add so much as overwhelming to me. Give me your mercy, what I don't deserve. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. None of this, verse 27. And he, talking to the Spirit, which searcheth the hearts, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints. Notice, the saints according to the will of God. Hey, we're, the believers are called saints. The Holy Spirit knows what's going on in your heart. The Holy Spirit knows what you're thinking right now. He searches your heart. He if, you're a, if you're saved, he knows what's going on in your heart right now. He knows if you're sitting here saying, Pastor Walker, you've got exactly six minutes. Because you know what? The, 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 uh, the buffet down there at Stevi, it's over at 1 o'clock. And that's 12 o'clock. It's going to take me some time to get down there. Uh, no, no, we got a potluck today. It's better than a buffet. So forget that. Say, Pastor, what does that mean? That means I get to go longer now because you got a buffet. It's already there. It's waiting for you. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm only on partial part number, point number one. I've got a whole bunch more points. But may I share with you that what he's saying here is simple. We're saints today. The Holy Spirit prays for us. We're saints today. He knows what you're thinking right now. 
He knows you. God knows you. He's, in, he's investigating all the rooms of your life if you're a Christian. The one that you think nobody knows about, the Spirit of God knows. You can't hide from God. People try to hide their sin and, and they try to do things that, that they know is, is not pleasing to God. Maybe they're watching on the computer or TV things that they shouldn't be watching. Nobody sees it. Can I tell you something? There's a God who sees it. We're called to be saints. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 1, 2. Paul, verse 1, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified, set apart in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. You're called to be holy. Folks, you and I, we've been called to holiness today. To be holy. To be righteous. As the world looks at you, do they see that righteousness? Do they see holiness? I've gone down to the Super One store and there have been people that have attended here at Galilee Baptist Church and on Sunday they give the appearance that they're holy. And if I see you in the store, I'll come up and say hi. Just because to be friendly, to be hospitable. This one time I was right behind somebody who had his cart there, and I was looking at him, and, and I was uh, I was just I, I saw him, I said, Man, praise the Lord, it's good to see you. I didn't even look what was in his cart. But you know, as time goes on, as you're talking and conversing, you know your eyes are around looking at different things. I looked in the cart. Here's a six-pack six of beer there. Now, I didn't say, oh, what are you doing with that in your cart? Didn't do that. But I'm telling you what happened was kind of interesting. All of a sudden, while I'm talking to him, he's coming up like this, and he's starting to take stuff in his cart and put over top of the six-pack of beer so that I couldn't see it. Can I tell you something? He could try to hide it from me, but he can't hide it from God. It's kind of like going down there to Super One. I've had this happen too. And I said, there's somebody there at the, at the little counter, at the customer service counter, and they're buying lotto cards. Gambling, folks. Can I tell you something? Gambling is sin. Oh, well, pastor, you know what? I'm telling you, if I win the lottery, I'm going to give my tithe to the church. You keep that, that filthy money to yourself. God doesn't need that. Pastor, you don't, don't really mean that. Absolutely I do. My God does not need our money. He doesn't. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad you told me that, preacher. Now I don't, don't have to pay my tithe anymore. Uh, God says, well, let me just tell you, you ought to read uh, Malachi chapter uh, 3, verse 8 through 10, about people who robbed God, because you're robbing God. You're not robbing me. You're robbing God. God says, you're going to rob God? People say, oh, when have we robbed God? In tithes and offerings? God says, well, let me tell you something. You're cursed with a curse. You know, you're working hard and you're laboring, and guess what? Little comes in. Uh-oh. Is that what's happening to you? Maybe you're robbing God. I don't know. But I've seen people at, the, at that lottery place and, and, and trying to buy those, those tickets. Man, they're all over the place. That's one thing about Montana. 
When a store goes out, when a business goes out, many times, what happens? A casino goes in. They'll rob people blind. They'll take their money, the money that should be going to their, their family and taking care of their needs, and they'll use that, gar that, that, uh, that money on garbage. When you're out in California, uh, they, they tried to get uh, gambling to be uh, accepted in California. I remember that. And they said, well, now, this is what's going to happen. When you're out there, the, one of the positives of this, we'll give money to the schools. Yeah, that got it in there. But guess what? The money just didn't happen to wind up to the schools anymore. There's graft and there's uh, all sorts of illegal stuff that goes on along with it. Well, I was going to tell you something. Sin is still sin today. And Christians are called to be holy. It means I'm supposed to hate sin. We're supposed to hate sin. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. You say, well, Pastor, if I knew what was sin, then I would be able to say, well, I'm going to stand on God's side. You know, standing on God's side is more than just saying, uh, doing a verbal standing. Jesus said, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? It's not only just saying, yes, Lord, I'm on your side, but there's some things I'm not going to do in my life. There's some things I'm going to keep out of my life. There's some things I'm going to avoid because it's wrong, because God hates it. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. Uh-oh, he's starting to, he's going to list some, some things that he hates. I wish I knew what God hates. Here's some things. Yea, seven or an abomination unto him. The word abomination is the idea of a stench to the nostrils. Have you ever smelled something that's disgusting? We had a couple nights ago, we had a skunk that came out around our house and, the, and he had left some of his marks out there. All you had to do was open the door and Kimberly, under her shed, there was a skunk that loved to be underneath her shed. And boy, he would just <laughs> all over the place. So we had to, you know, put rocks underneath it and put lights on it. Because this skunk, he liked that place. He just, he'd take the rocks and he'd peel them away. We finally put a light out there and finally scared him away. I mean, we put all sorts of stuff under there. I, I took a hose and tried to, you know, squirt him out. That's not always a good thing to do. But may I share with you? The Bible says, let me tell you, there's seven things that are a stench to the nostrils of God. And he lists them. A proud look. A proud look. So what's a proud look, Pastor? God hates that. Young people, let me tell you something. When your parents are correcting you about something, and you do this, let me tell you something, God hates that. That's a, God hates that. That's a sin. You need to confess your sin and, and humble yourself and get it right with God because God's not pleased with you. God hates a proud look. And it doesn't matter whether it's a young person or not, adults. If you don't learn to control that and humble yourself as a child, I can guarantee you you'll become a proud adult. You see that all around in the political scene. People are proud and arrogant and it's like they thumb their nose up at God. Can I tell you something? That's exactly what the devil did. A proud look. God hates. Notice the next one. 
a lying tongue. God hates a lying tongue. Well, pastor, I just can't help myself. I just lie. God hates it. You need to see it as God does. Your lying tongue, God hates it. When that word comes out and you're, well, I'm just exaggerating, pastor. No, you're lying. You need to call sin, sin. That's what the, the word confess means. It means to come into agreement with. If we confess our sin, we come into agreement with God that what, when I tell a lie, I'm against God. It's a dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking lie. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. Folks, we're hearing of people that are murdering people. Boy, they have no remorse. We've, we've heard of the, the, the uh, shootings in the schools and all this type of stuff. Can I tell you something? Well, how does God feel about it? God hates it. Every soul is precious to God. And God hates it. And you think that you can just take somebody's life and God's not going to God's not going to care. Can I tell you something? God does care. And what you sow, you'll reap. But because we do not fear God, and we don't fear his word, and we've taken God out of the schools, and we've taken God out of our lives, and we're trying to take God in God we trust. We want to take that out. We don't want to have God mentioned any place. Can I tell you something? It doesn't change the fact that there's a God. There's a God who hates lying. He's a God who hates shedding innocent blood. People who go and they murder an a abortion doctor and says, well, God told me to do it. Let me tell you something. God didn't tell him to do that. A God did. The God of this world, small g, which is Satan. He's a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Satan gets some some person who takes a part of the scriptures and he perverts them and doesn't study the word of God, does not know what the word of God says. Well, God told me to kill them because they're, they're aborting all these babies, so it's my right. No, no, God gave the government the responsibility of taking a man's life, not you. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, thoughts, wicked thoughts. You have wicked thoughts and you just let those run in your mind. Boy, I can, I can do this and I can do that and, 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 and it goes contrary to the word of God. Can I tell you something? God says, I'm hate, I hate that. I hate that. Feet that be swift and running to mischief. Running to mischief? Oh, wouldn't it be nice to TP somebody's house? That's mischief. Hey, let's just take some spray cans and we'll write on people's houses. That's called mischief. I'm going to tell on myself because I've already told on my daughter. When I was in I at, at, at when I went to a little schoolhouse, two-room schoolhouse in Igo. We had first through fourth grade in one side and we had fifth through eighth grade and the other side. School was 107 years old. Every time it, the wind blew really strong, we got to be released from school because they were afraid that it was going to fall down on us. We had squirrels that would take, they had holes up in, in, in the ceiling, and they would take their little nuts and they would drop their, their, their little nuts down through the hole. 
this old schoolroom. I went to a public school in in Southern Cal or in uh, San Jose, California, and we were quite advanced compared to what they were being taught there. And so I was kind of cruising when I was in like second grade. And we had a teacher who was in her 60s. She smoked like it was going out of style. When we would have a break, she would go out to the woodshed. We had a woodshed where you had to keep the wood to put in the stove to keep the thing warm. And there, no joke, smoke would be billowing out of the woodshed. You thought that the place had caught on fire. It wasn't, it wasn't that it caught on fire. She was just smoking up a storm. And she said, no, you kids aren't supposed to, you kids aren't supposed to be in, 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 in this woodshed. You walk through and you about choke. But one day, she was not paying attention. Sometimes she gets sidetracked. And I thought, you know, I used to like to make airplanes. And I thought, and I liked, the, there was one type of airplane that I'd make. It would go up and it would get to a certain height and it would flip over. And then it would just kind of soar and, and it would land nicely. And I thought to myself, now this is foolishness. I'm telling you, this is foolishness. I thought, the teacher's desk, I was up toward the front, I was in the front row, and the teacher's desk was up here. And I thought, you know, I think I could put a pencil in that. And I could fly that plane, it would drop the pencil right on her desk. And the plane would just kind of float off. And Now the teacher was there. So I made my little plane. She turned her back for a moment, and I threw my plane. Oh, it flew. It dropped the pencil. Right at the time when the teacher looked around, it dropped right on her desk and flew back to me. Hmm, this poor little lady. She looked at me, and I looked at her. You know, I had a grin on my face. I did what I wanted to do. You say, Pastor, I can't believe you'd do something like that. Yeah, I'm telling you. It's just bound up in there. You got, I mean, you have to release it. That's why digging ditches is good. You know, it gets that, that energy out. It does. She came up. She says, now, you know what's going to happen to you. This is back, let me tell you something. This is back a few years. A back a few years. When teachers, if you would disobey, I mean, they would take a paddle and, and, and spank you on the bottom. Uh, the teachers would have you hold your hand out. And they would use a ruler on your hand to try to change your behavior. Anybody remember that? Yeah, some, I, I was hearing some amens. I understand some of you probably went there and got that, that, that treatment. Here's this lady. Poor little lady. She's frail little lady. She comes up. She says, you know what's going to happen? I said, yeah, I do. She said, now put your hand out. I put my hand out. She took the ruler. She started hitting me on the hand. I mean, I'm telling you, she tried as hard as she could, and she's looking at me. I mean, she sweat's just rolling down her face. The harder she hit, the more I started to laugh. After her, she says, have you learned anything? I said, yeah. The only thing I didn't realize is when I got home, my parents knew how to apply the Board of Education to the Seat of Knowledge, and it wasn't funny no more. Folks, can I tell you something? Mischief is bound in the heart of a child. And can I tell you something? Mischief is bound in the heart of an adult, especially those who don't walk with God. I want to do things that 
Oh, that looks fun. That's what the devil encourages you to do. But God says, hey, wait a minute. That's not right. And I hate that. Feet that are swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies. Oh, we were just, my wife and I were just talking about how people today make false accusations, and they don't even come and apologize for it anymore. We just go on in the news media. You say, well, how does God feel about those false accusations that people make? Can I tell you something? I'm just going to put it out there. How, you say, well, I wonder how, how God feels about the people that made the false accusations about our former president, President Trump, about how that he was colluding with the, the Russians. I wonder how God feels about that. Can I tell you something? God hated that. And those people can say, well, you know what? Well, we have a right. No, I'm going to tell you something. You are going to be held accountable for that evil. God hates it, and you will stand accountable to that. The world may say it's okay, but God doesn't. And he that, is, he that soweth discord among the brethren, the person that sows discord among the brethren, boy, there's peace, there's harmony, there's unity, and a person comes in and tries, tries to start dividing the, this body. I'll tell you something, God hates that. Well, pastor, we just, you know, we don't view the Bible like you view it. That's why God gave a pastor to you. Turn with me to Ephesians for a second very quickly, and we're going to close. I'm only on the first part of point number one. Ephesians chapter 4, look what it says. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he, talking of Jesus, gave some, not all, some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists. Brother Getch was here. He's an evangelist. He preaches the gospel, the truth. And some pastors and teachers, that's a... The Sharps rule in Greek, it's pastor-teacher. A pastor is to be a teacher. Why? Why did he give these different, different group, different folk? For purpose, for the perfecting, the maturing of the saints. For the work of the ministry. To give direction, to give guidance, to encourage people to do right. For the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. Here, verse 13 till we all come into the unity of the faith, believing the same thing that the Word teaches. That's what he's talking about. A unity of the faith. You need to know what the Bible says so you can stand upon the, what the Bible says. And folks, you know what? There might be things that you, would law, you heard and, uh, uh, that your, your parents may have said and back over here, and you love your parents, you respect your parents, but it's contrary to what the Word of God says. You have a decision to make, whether what the world says is right or what God says is right. And if you're going to accept what the world says, you're not going to be a pleaser of God. The Bible says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of, of Christ that we all come into the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or mature man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's why God gives pastors to churches. Well, I just thought he was up there just kind of, you know, going to give us a power of positive thinking. No, he's to preach the word of God. That's why Brother Patzer, who the church has voted to come and be the pastor here, 
Folks, can I tell you something? One of the things that's important is that he preaches the word of God. Not his opinions. What does the word of God say? You need to hear what the word of God says. And then you have a choice to obey God. You need to choose to obey God rather than men. What does God say? To follow what the Lord says. We're called to be saints. And share with you today, if you've been saved, you are a saint right now. But pastor, I don't feel holy. Well, I know, but God says, I want you to know, you are holy. And because he has called you holy, he expects you to be holy. Look at one last verse and we're done. 1 Peter chapter 1. That's two verses tied together. 1 Peter 1, verse 15 and 16. But as he, talking of God, which hath called you is holy, agathos, that's that word, pure, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That idea of conversation is manner of living. Your words, your thoughts, your actions. Be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Why? Because it is written, be ye holy, God speaking, be ye holy, for I am holy. Say, Pastor, what does God expect of me as a Christian? Be holy. You have called with a holy calling. You belong to God. He expects you to be holy. Can I tell you, if you're not submitting and surrendering to the Lord to be holy, you're not pleasing God. You're not walking worthy of the calling wherewith you've been called. You've been called to be holy. God's called you to be holy. God's called you to walk in righteousness. But the world is going to different. doesn't matter what the world does. God's called us to be different than the world. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. We're to be a different people. Well, I'm a Christian. You've been called to holiness, are you? I pray that you surrendered your life. If you haven't today, can I tell you today? You need to get on board with God. You need to start surrendering. It's called sanctification. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Set apart the Lord in your heart. Man, he is going to be my all in all. I'm going to follow him. I'm not going to do things that are foolish like Pastor Walker did. I'm going to learn to walk in holiness and righteousness. Because that's what God expects from us today. Let's pray. Dear Father, today we come before you and realize that we've been called with a holy calling. We've been called by you for you. Lord, we're called to holiness and righteousness and truth. And Father, I pray today that as we examine our life, perhaps we have been not walking as we ought to walk in holiness. Holiness is foreign to this world today. It, 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 people don't even think about holiness. People don't like to hear about holiness. Because it, it pricks our heart and causes us to think that, that we may not be doing right. And we want to think positive thoughts so that we feel good about ourselves. But God, we need to see ourselves truly as you see us. And Father, today, we need a call back to holiness and righteousness and truth and doing what's pleasing in your sight. And Father, today, I pray that your spirit has so moved in our hearts and pointed out these areas. Lord, I pray that we would say today and commit to you today, Lord, I'm going to turn from this area of my life 
that's not pleasing to you. I'm going to start doing what you said to do. I want a difference in my life because I want to please you. I've been saved. I've been called to holiness. Lord, may you have your will and way in our life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know what God's spoken to your heart about. I believe that he has spoken to you because his word will not return unto him void, but will accomplish the purpose which, it's, which he has set it forth to do. And if God's spoken to your heart today about this issue of holiness, you say, Pastor, there's some areas that God's pointed out to me today, and I pray that God would do something in my life. I, I need to be holy so that the world will see there's a difference about a person who's a Christian. Christians have lost holiness, so they've lost the difference. How can the world see Jesus in you if you don't live a holy life because he's holy? say today pastor you know god's spoken to me i i I need some i need some help in this area in a moment we're going to have an invitation up here i'm not going to ask you to raise hand now you need to get to the altar you need to talk to god about it you need to bury that bear that to to the lord and talk to him about it because the spirit of god already knows what's going on and this church needs to be a lighthouse in this community but it can't do it if there's no holiness If you're here today without Jesus Christ, God's giving you one more time, one more expression of his mercy so that you can hear the gospel that Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and rose again for you. He's giving you an opportunity to receive it. Whosoever will may come. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You need to receive Christ today. You need to acknowledge that you're a sinner. You need to accept Jesus as your Savior. Say, Lord, please come into my heart and life and save me today. Cleanse me of my sins. I want to walk and follow you today. In Jesus' name. If you haven't done it, you need to do that today. Dear Father, we pray for those that are hearing, whether it be on the Internet or here in person. Lord, I pray that you would just do your will in our life. And Lord, I pray that we'd have a tender heart toward you. We thank you and we praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Brother Scott's going to come and lead us in a song of invitation. If you're not